never forget why you are the church. We'll continue our study of Jonah this week. I'm uh, very excited about the more I study Jonah, the more that I realize how much we can learn uh, from this backslidden prophet. Uh, the more that I realize how much Jonah is uh, very similar to how we are in our life as believers. But again, we continue our study of Jonah. If you happen, Lord, say amen. And this study revolves around the theme, the dangers of saying no to God. Now, Jonah, a man of God, a prophet, the one who was to speak and proclaim the word of God, was given a mission. And if you would look at verses 1 and 2, we see this mission right here. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. A direct command was responded with Jonah's direct disobedience. Look at verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee with Tarshish unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Uh, if you were not here last week or the week before, that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of summarize what was going on. Jonah was by definition backslidden, running from the presence of God, or rather resigning for his responsibilities a prophet. Can everyone hear me this morning? Is this, is this? Okay, it is on. Man, Let's, can you go? Yeah, okay, never mind. All right, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to still learn this thing. But Jonah was backslidden. Now, why was he running away from the responsibilities as prophet? Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone get a direct command from God and just simply say no? Now, notice that he didn't say no in his words, right? He said no in his actions. For example, if I were to go and walk person by person this morning, I'm not going to. Don't get all sweaty and nervous. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, if I did, I'd start with Zach. No, I'm just kidding. Don't get, don't get nervous. But if I were to go to every person this morning and ask you, will you obey God's commands? You say, well, what commands? Well, will, you, will you give thanks always? Will you be a disciple maker? Will, will you rejoice always, no matter what? Will you not gossip? Will you hold your tongue? Will you uh, stay pure? All these things, we can go uh, time after time after verse after verse of where God explicitly states what his will is for our life. You know what everyone say? Absolutely, yes, I will. I want you to understand something. It's easy to obey in word, but the cheapest form of uh, of of uh, word of obedience to God is in word. As a matter of fact, that is really what has destroyed the impact of the church today. See, we raise our hands and we do this and we do And listen, hey, by the way, I love uh, active worship. Things kind of went crazy with my, with my earpiece and that's all fine and dandy. I should uh, by this time know how to handle that without having a meltdown like I almost did. But either way, listen, I, I love active worship. And, and, and would you say yes, you do too? No, you don't. See, you see the example of that? You said yes, but in action, no, we don't. Right? It's easy to say yes, Lord, but it's very difficult sometimes to live that out. 
Jonah did not tell God, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. You know what he did? He just didn't go. He was backslidden. Why would he be backslidden, though? Why would he resign from his responsibilities as a prophet? Well, uh, if you look at the history of it, he hated the pagans in Nineveh. He hated the people in Nineveh. He desired them to be destroyed, so why would he go and warn them and give them a chance to repent? Church, more times than not, we think the same way as Jonah. We don't have time to share the gospel. And even when we do, why should I waste my time on a sinner who probably won't listen anyway? Now, again, we would never admit to thinking that, but I'm telling you right now, we think it all the time. And our inaction, the right kind of action, the inaction of that kind of action, shows the fact that we truly do not care to obey God. Now, hear me. I thank God Jesus did not think that way about me. I am very thankful to my creator that from the beginning of time, he had a plan set out that no matter what, no matter what sin I, I committed, no matter what was going on, I could receive him by calling upon the name of the Lord, believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that I, yes, I can be saved. And I thank God that I am. And today, if you're saved, you should thank God that you are. But see, sometimes we got to put on the mind of Christ and not the mind of the world. The world likes to give up on people. The world likes to use people. Jesus is in the business of saving people. Amen? But Jesus did much more than simply take time for us. He left glory to become a servant on earth. Notice, that, could you imagine if they were still talking about uh, uh, sending him as a sacrifice up in heaven? And, and I'm not trying to make light of the throne of God, but could you imagine them just saying, you know what, hey, you know, you know, I would love, Jesus, Father, I would love to, to go down and be the sacrifice, but let's just, let's just talk about it some more, and let's think about it. Let's, let's have a meeting about it, and let's just get the logistics just right, and once we do that, uh, then I'll go. It, it, it's kind of how we do uh, gospel sharing. Well, if, they, if I'm in the store, and I'm on aisle five, and, and, and I see them, oh, well, Lord, if, 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 if they see me on aisle six, I'll tell them about Jesus. That's not obedience. That's not what we see. Jesus didn't do that. He left glory to become a servant on earth. From the beginning, that was the plan, and the plan came to fruition. He knew no sin, yet became sin, taking on not just my sin, but the sins of the entire world upon his back. He shed his perfect blood. He was humiliated, mocked, beat, spit upon. Jesus didn't just knock on my door to invite me to church. Jesus knocked on death's door, and when it was opened, defeated death. He didn't come to share the gospel. He is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. Church, next time you come across someone who is lost, next time God puts something on your heart to do, may we have the mind of Christ. Jonah was not thinking of what God asked him. Jonah was thinking of himself. He was backslidden. And in that state, those around him were affected. He became unaware of how far he had gotten from God. He fell asleep while the storm was raging, and his witness was destroyed. So let's review one more time. I'm going to read verses 5 through 10, just for those that may were not here. It says this, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. 
But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And he said, Every one to his fellow, Come. And let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then say, said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people are you? In other words, who in the world are you? And he answers in verse 9, and he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land, then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? But the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Has Jonah learned his lesson? I find it sometimes uh, very bothering that just a mere storm. Now, this is not a mere storm in the sea. This is a big storm. This is a tempest. This is a great wind. An overflowing of rain is what that means. But in our lives, so often we go through these little storms. God is trying to press us in. God is trying to direct us the right way. God is trying to get us, get our attention. And yet it takes more. Jonah here, you would think, man, he just got humbled. He just had to declare. He just was falling asleep. He, he, he still got the sleep in his eyes. He's sitting up there, oh, wow, there's a storm. They're like, yeah, why? Why is it storming? This is not a normal storm. This is because of somebody's evil. They cast lots. It fell on Jonah. Jonah already knew it was because of him. And then Jonah had to sit there and say, oh, I'm, I'm a child of God. How embarrassing. But yet that, that wasn't enough. He had not learned his lesson. We will see that Jonah is more stubborn than we think. Would you say that you're more stubborn than people think? Look at your spouse and say, yeah, you stubborn. <gasps> Y'all actually did it. My goodness. But we're going to look at this title, The Indifferent Man of God. The Indifferent Man of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for your word. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we can break down any barriers. God, we can break down any pride that is in the way of uh, those that are here hearing your word. May those that have ears to hear, let them hear today. So, Father God, I do not take this, uh, this lightly. I do not take this opportunity lightly. And, God, you've had this on my heart all week, Lord. So, God, I pray that I can preach with power, clarity, and liberty. And, God, I pray today if there's a Christian who is backslidden, that they run back to you. God, I pray if there's someone here today who is not saved. God, I pray today is their salvation. God, I pray if there's somebody here today who is working and they're growing weary and they're, they're obeying. They're, they're living a life of faithfulness, but they're getting tired. God, I pray that you rejuvenate them with your spirit today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. The indifferent man of God. Uh, I cannot stand indifference. Amen? Can, do you like indifference? Do you like apathy? In, in your workplace, do you like those people that you work with that don't care? Or is that you? I, I'm trying, let's, let's get some common ground here. What I'm trying to say is this. Has anyone ever asked somebody where they like to go out to eat? If you have, raise your hand. Okay, good. We're all human beings here. I'm glad. The, ir the most irritating answer is what? Oh, no. The second most irritating answer is what? I don't care. The third most is you choose. Okay? It's in there. It's in the top three. But listen, hey, the most irritating, well, I don't care. Right? 
Listen, I, uh, me and Heather, were, we were at the fair last night. Um, we made it. Amen. It was, it was the most dreadful thing, but it was fun, you know, but, but dreadful at the same time. It was a weird balance at the fair. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I, you know, we're sitting here. You know how, you know how sometimes uh, your spouse can kind of like, they, 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 you know that they want something, but you don't know exactly what that want is, but you know it has to do with food. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, hey, sweetheart, there's like 550,000 food trucks. What would you like? I will buy you a food truck. Just tell me which one you want. And then all of a sudden, she, she's, talk, she's walking and talking. You can tell she's getting irritated, right? Because I've already gotten what I wanted. You know what I'm saying? I got the tater cakes. That was an easy decision. I literally walk in the entrance and walk towards the orange food truck. You know what I'm saying? Tater cakes, Mac Attack, add bacon. You with me? Anyone with me? Okay. If not, get with me, okay? But no, listen, as, as time goes, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at her, and I can tell she's good. Hey, sweetheart, what? What would you like? What would you want to eat? And, and she goes, I, I just don't know. And, and, and I, just, I, I, just, just, I just want to eat. And I'm like, I don't, I can't. You want me to just take this dude's food out of his hand and give it? I don't understand what you want me to do. Right? And, and, and it turns into now she's not communicating. So now she'll walk, walk, walk. And, and all of a sudden she'll say, I'll say, well, honey, you know, I'm kind of wanting to go home soon. And, and, and I need you to eat some food. So would you like to please, please tell me what you would like? And then, and then and, husbands, you know what this is like. I just don't want anything anymore. In that moment, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> but listen, hey, sometimes that, that kind of, my, and listen, hey, hey, I'm talking about Heather, but I did the same thing, right? And you did the same thing as well, okay? This just so happened to happen last night. But we see that apathy is not, put that apathy in the church. Does anyone want God to work? Oh, sure, yeah, that'd be great. Would, any, would anyone, you want to see somebody saved? Um, yeah, cool. I mean, it happened, yeah. There, there's indifference in the church. You want to know why churches are struggling? Because the people are indifferent to what God wants to do. So let's look right here at Jonah, the indifferent man of God. We see, number one, the renouncing of Jonah. The renouncing of Jonah. Look at verse 11 and 12. Then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee? That the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea wrought and was Tempestuous, and he said unto them, "Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. The culprit has been exposed. They cast lot, and the lot fell on Jonah. Could you imagine walking into church and the way we gauge the way we're going to be able to worship and the way that the word is going to be received? We say, okay, everybody, grab a stone. Whoever has the colored stone, you got to go because you're not wanting to repent." How would that go, Richard? That wouldn't go too good. Right now, in this moment, you're you're scared to death. You think I'm going to just come out with some stones. No, that's not going to happen. But Jonah was found out. If that wasn't enough, Jonah completely gave his confession of guilt in verse 12. He says right here, he says, I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. So cast me into the sea so the storm may go away. But it's very interesting how the sailors understood how desperate the situation was. Look, look at him when they ask him. They say, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be common to us? For the sea rotten was temptuous. In other words, Jonah told them he followed the God of heaven, the one who made the sea and the dry land. They realized this guy wasn't kidding because all the false gods they were proclaiming to, all the false gods they were praying to, nothing was happening. 
So when the captain of the ship says, hey, call upon your God because we're about to die. They realize, whoa, his God is the one controlling the sea right now. By the way, I want you to understand, God is still the one who controls. God is still the one who is in charge. Now, now you say, well, how do, how, do, how do we balance all that? All I know is this. Don't be surprised. God is never surprised when things happen. God will send storms in our life to redirect us. But they realized that Jonah was not kidding. So they, they, they appealed to the backslidden man of God. What should we do to you? What shall we do with you? They didn't, they didn't know God. But they saw it obvious that Jonah had done something to cause God to send this wind. Is it not sad that the pagans understood quicker than God's man? Is it not sad that the pagans, those who rejected God as the one true God, now we're going to see here they, that they, they kind of turned a little bit, but is it not sad so often that, that people outside the church understand how we should do more than we? That they say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, if you believe this, shouldn't you live like this? If you actually truly understand this, why are you doing this? These pagans understood more than God's men, or at least cared more because he was indifferent. As children of God, we know how to react and respond to a storm. The first response we ought to have is to repent of our sin and obey him. You say, what if the storm is not because of my sin? Repent of the sin in your life so you can see clearly what God is doing in your life. Not every storm is the result of sin, but every sin will result in a storm eventually, if not repented of. We know Hebrews 12 tells us that he disciplines his children. And that's why it ought to be the greatest concern of the church today, how we have allowed sin to become commonplace. Hear me today, church. We have allowed sin to become commonplace. We have abandoned conviction, and we, we, we want, we rather community over conviction. Let me just tell you something. You will not have the correct church community without the proper conviction. You say, what are you talking about? What I'm trying to say is this. We ought never allow a brother or sister just to continue in what we know will cause a storm in their life. And let me explain something to you. I've had to have some of the harder conversations in ministry. On, re, on rebuking sin or, or, or giving an answer that someone doesn't like when they ask. That's not always fun. That, that, that's not always, uh, it, it can get awkward, right? Because you love that person, you care for that person. You don't want to tell this person that they're living in sin. You don't want to tell this person what it, what it will take to get obedient to the Lord. But you have to because that's our responsibility. But we, we've gotten away from that. We said, well, you know, their life is their life. You do realize we're to live life together. Let me just tell you something. My three-year-old's life is not just her life. I, I, every, every little step she takes, every little thing she says, listen, I'm a part of that. Now, I may not be present all the time, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not just, well, River, you are uh, almost four years old now, so I'm going to let you make the decisions that you want to make in life. Because I don't want to have any awkward conversations. I don't want to tell you no. I don't want to, I don't want to act like and, and make it like you can't have fun in life. I don't want to limit you on, on your enjoyment in life. So if you, man, listen, if you want to have a Capri Sun at midnight, you go and you have a Capri Sun at midnight. If you want to have a cookie in the morning for breakfast, get you a cookie, girl. Now listen, what would you call me? A bad parent. 
You should. Some of y'all are like, hold on, that's bad parenting. <laughs> but listen, we that that would never go for our children. That would never go for our little kids. There's rules. Right? Listen, I mean, our students, they have rules. They live in they live in their parents' home, right? Hey, you are to be at home at this certain time. You are to do this at this certain time on a school night. You are to be here earlier. Preventative measures, amen? Listen, how come that's so accepted in the home, in parenting, in the family, in the in the nuclear family at home? But yet when we get to this house, all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. Let me just tell you something. Living in sin is way more dangerous than a Capri Sun at midnight. Continuously feeding that flesh is way more dangerous than a cookie for breakfast. But yet we take that more seriously than we do a brother or sister. Walking in the flesh, walking in darkness, walking in that which will destroy. God help us. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 actually says this, says examine yourselves. Now, I'm going to get to a point here, so just bear with me. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. You say, hold on, preacher. You're going to make me uh, uh, doubt my salvation. No, 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 no. If you're confused, that ain't from God, I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of clarity. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. There is no confusion in truth. You know when people get confused about truth is when people bring in non-truth with it. Amen? Are you with me? Why are we so confused about gender in our society? That is not confusing. That is as clear as it gets. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to stop right there. But yet all of a sudden we're so confused. What are you? I don't really know. Huh? Huh? What does that even mean? But but we're confused because we've allowed fallacy, we've allowed lies to corrupt what should be so easy and truthful. But hear me, we have allowed lost people to walk the halls of our churches. Remember, we are to examine ourselves. We have allowed lost people to walk the halls of our churches. You say, well, preacher, hold on, you're walking on thin ice here. Are you telling me that, that if you're not saved, you're not welcome at Cedar Grove Baptist Church? Listen, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life, right? As a matter of fact, I don't care who you are, what you look like, what you've done. Listen, as long as you're not going to cause danger to my people, you are welcome here. You understand what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, we will, if you want to be here, we will defend you as a person, but we will not defend your sin. And that's where I'm going to get to this. See, we... we, we Preacher, you're telling me that we don't want lost people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. The problem is we have convinced the lost people they are saved. Can I repeat that again? We have convinced those who are lost walking down our halls that they're born again and they don't have to worry about a thing. Church, let me just tell you something. When that's the culture of the church... That is a corrupt culture of a church. It's not going to work. We need lost people coming in here and feeling the heaviness of their sin. We need lost people coming in here and understanding very quickly, hold on, they don't mess around. They're about God's word. 
We need lost people coming in here, not, not saying, oh, I'm going to leave here feeling good in my sin. I'm going to leave here thinking, oh, my lifestyle is okay because God loves me. Yeah, he really loves me. No, no, no. Listen, God loves you enough to send Jesus to die on the cross so you don't have to be captivated by your sin anymore. You can be made free and delivered, but yet we say, hey, it's all good. If you feel good, I feel good. We all feel good, great. Let me just tell you something. That's not going to work. Unrepentant sin will always bring discipline to a believer's life. If you are living in sin and there is no discipline, there is no whooping, whatever that may be in your life, I need you to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. But Jonah confessed in verse 12 that uh, right here it says, and he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Well, look at there. Jonah's turning back to God. Good for him, man. Well, 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 did he? Did he turn back to God? In Jonah's mind, no doubt, he was renouncing his calling. He's saying, you know what? Fine. Cast me over the, into the sea. Let me just tell you something. Jonah was not sitting there thinking, oh, there's going to be a big fish to swallow me up and spit me out three days later. That's not, that wasn't going through Jonah's mind. Jonah was saying, cast me into the sea and I'll die. It's over. It's done. God, okay, fine. You have your way. I I give up. Whatever, man. Just cast me into the sea. I'm I'm done. Notice he didn't cry out to God in repentance. Jonah still had no desire to go to Nineveh. Jonah still had no desire at all to obey God's command. He was willing just to give it up, get in the seat, die, and be done. He was indifferent. As one commentator noted, it was his voice of conscience, not compassion, that spoke. Sin can make us so calloused in our life. We see here the renouncing of Jonah. He still rejected the mission God gave him. Well, how about you? Have you rejected the mission God's given you? Let me just tell you something. I'll never. Sin is the number one problem in the church. Amen. 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 Not your neighbor's sin, your sin. You know what I'm saying? The number one, my sin. The number one problem in the church is sin. If that is correct, which it is, the number two problem in the church that I have seen as a pastor is this. Quitting. Quitting. People give up on God's plan. People give up on God's call. People give up on his way. It it, it never ceases to amaze me. Listen, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal. God has humbled me. If if y'all would come on Sunday night and Wednesday nights, you would would hear my heart on that. Especially this Wednesday night, I was talking to the people that were here about how God has humbled this this pastor in such a way that that it was not fun. There was a time, man, I've never pastored a church that's not actively growing. God was like, all right then. Cool. Boom. Humbling. So, so right here, you got to understand something. When people quit giving up on God's plan, it's called his way. People all the time, they, they see me and they say, Jacob, what are you doing now? I'm like, I'm preaching. They're like, still? Yeah. Well, where are you preaching? See the grove. Still? Yeah. Let me explain something to you. If there's anything that I have learned, it's that longevity is what God desires. 
God is long-suffering towards us. We ought to be long-suffering for him. Not towards him because he's done no wrong to us. But towards those around us that he's put in our life to lead and to serve and to love and to have compassion over. Let me just tell you, God's going to have to directly give me a, 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 a verse 2 saying to get out of here. I'm going to stay until God says go. And let me tell you, in my heart, I, I see myself here all my life. Why? Because I want to see God work. You say, you telling me that God can't work elsewhere? I'm telling you that God needs wants to uh, use you where you are now. I love when people say, well, I don't like this ministry, so I'm going to quit this ministry, and I'm going to go to this ministry. And what they'll find out is they actually don't like that one either. And really what it is is they just simply don't like to serve. People quit all the time. Church hop. All of a sudden, it's not, it's not good enough. And, and I'll tell you this, most of the time it's not about the word. It's not about the worship. It's simply that, like Jonah, we're thinking of ourselves and no one else. Do not neglect or reject God's mission for your life. So, so we see there, we kind of uh, camped out there for a second. It's going to move real quick from here. We're going to look at number two, the refraining of the sailors. Look at verse 13 through 15. Now, these are people I could call friends. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. Isn't that good right there? Could you imagine? Listen, I know for a fact. If I was on a ship with some of y'all, you'd be like, oh, cool, let's cast them over to sea. I mean, it would have been, been an immediate thing, like, oh, if that's all it takes, it's been nice knowing you, right? See you, Jacob. Now, these men didn't act that way. They weren't, just, they, weren't, they weren't just running to grab them, to throw them. No, 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 look. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's sake and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it has pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. These sailors were not eager to take human life. Now, even though Jonah told them what to do, they still did their best to bring the ship to land. But they were no match for God. Now, it brings the question, why were they so hesitant? Because you got to think, these are, these are Phoenician pagans. They worship false gods. There, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that, that, that sacrifice is a part of somewhere in their culture. So they're thinking, well, this is what it takes. See ya, dude. So why were they so hesitant this time? Well, even though Jonah told them, uh, it was not Jonah's life they feared. It was Jonah's God that they feared. It's evident that they believed God, the true God, sent this storm. And they did not want to sin against the Lord. Let's pause to consider the terrible irony here. Jonah refused to go to Nineveh. He would rather they perish than to obey God. The sailors wanted to do anything else but cast Jonah into the sea and perish. Why? Because they did not want to disobey God. God's man is running away. These pagan sailors are saying, hey, God, whatever you have us do, we'll do. I love it here, and, and this is really a beautiful picture, and this is another whole sermon in of itself, but it's a beautiful picture of how we ought to react to, uh, to, to our decisions. See, a lot of people, when they, when they fall into a sin, they have a decision to make. Right? Do, do, do I continue or do I repent? A lot of times 
we, we just take another step and another step and another step. Notice these, these sailors, they paused, they, they stopped, and they cried out to God, God, what would you have us do? We do not want to sin against you. We fear you. We do not want these, this man's uh, blood on our hands. Could you imagine? Could you just imagine? Right? If they had gotten it wrong because they had rushed to a conclusion. Isn't the church good at that? Rushing to conclusions. Yeah? Yeah, okay, we are. Anyway, so they had gotten it wrong. They had taken Jonah up. Oh, the storm's about to be over. Then all of a sudden, a ship just goes. Could you imagine? I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Could you imagine if they were not, they didn't go to God and really, truly understand that's what God wanted? They cast Jonah, and all of a sudden, the storm gets worse. But that's not what happened, we know. Now, again, look at verse 14. They said, uh, they said, they do not want God to lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. The sailors wanted to do anything else but cast Jonah into the sea. So they cried out to the Lord. The phrase we beseech thee signifies a desperation in their voice. They asked God not to lay Jonah's death on their account. And once the pagan sailors prayed to the God who who Jonah, God's man, was fleeing from, they cast him into the sea. Verse 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. What a wild ride that had to have been. Now, Jonah is in the sea. What are we going to do now? The storm is gone. Jonah is, in all likelihood, dead. So what is the next move? Well, right here we see number three, the reverence of the sailors. Then the men, verse 16, feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. The word fear is used four times up to this point. In verse 5, the sailors feared the storm. In verse 9, Jonah feared the Lord. In verse 10, the sailors' terror of the Lord. And here in verse 16, they feared the Lord out of a profound awe. And out of this awe, they offered a sacrifice of what sort we cannot speculate to know but they made vows. Now, was this a true conversion? There's no indication that it was or wasn't. There's your answer. If we see these Phoenician sailors in heaven, we'll know there was a true conversion. Amen? As a matter of fact, what a conversation that'll be. Hey, hey, so, so how was casting Jonah into the water? And we're like, well, once we, just, once we realized that God was okay with it, it was a, a no-brainer. We, we just cast him into the water, and he, and he was supposed to die. But anyway. But these sailors were praising the Lord out of an awe for the master of the sea. What a contrast. Lost folks had more reverence for God than Jonah. Listen, it's amazing to me some of the stuff that Christians are willing to do on Saturday night and to walk up in the church house. You say, hold on, we're not welcoming. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying and not repent of your sin and turn from it but coming to God's house thinking that it's okay. When I, when I talk to a, a lost person, or, or, and not every time, but a lot of times, I'll, I'll invite them to church, and, and I'll say, come on. They say, oh, you don't, you don't need me at, my, at your church. I'm, I'm just, I'm a, I'm, you don't want me there. Well, why? Well, you just, I'm just not, <laughs> my lifestyle is not compatible with, with church. And what they're really saying is they know they're living wrong, and they don't want to disrespect God by acting like it's okay. So instead, they'll stay away. But yet the Christian know they're living wrong, don't care nothing about respect for the Lord, and come and act like everything's fine. 
Wow. Are you hearing me this morning? So where does that leave us? Well, who, who's here today? See, there, there are a couple people. There are those who can relate to Jonah. Backslidden, stubborn, and troublemaking. Backslidden, stubborn, and troublemaking. Will you refuse to repent and allow the storm that you have caused with your sin to continue in your life and affect those around you? Then there are those like the sailors. Look back at verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. See, they were attempting to actually fight God. Not physically, but to fight his will. God told, they understood what needed to happen, but they said, you know what? We don't want to do that, so we're going to do our best to do what we can to get this ship to safety. They tried to do it their way. Now hear me, if you haven't heard anything else this morning, hear this. I'm almost done. That word road literally means to dig into the water. I don't know if you've ever dug anything in your life. I try to stay away from that. I guess y'all just love digging holes. I mean, like some of y'all just, oh, you don't just dig holes? No, I don't, I don't dig holes. Okay? Not physically. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes with the conversations that I have, I have to kind of, you know. But either way, but if you know how digging is, then you would realize that when you dig something, you can see direct progress because there's less dirt where you're digging than there was before. Amen? I mean, that, that, that's, that's what a good digger would do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Of all the stinking things I've said today, you're going to be laughing at digging. I had actual jokes, and you're laughing. I don't even know if I know y'all anymore. Anyway. But see, right here we see they rode. They were digging in the water. Now, again, let's take the picture of digging in our minds and how we can see progress. We can see, man, this hole is getting deeper. This hole is getting wider. Things are happening. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, did you imagine digging into water? Now, they're also in a sea. So it's not like they're in a pool where they can take the shovel full and throw it out. No, as they're rowing, nothing's happening. As they're rowing, as they're digging into water, there's no progress being made. They're not getting any closer to the shore as when they started. Are y'all following me this morning? They were trying to do it their own way. They were attempting to do what will never work. I don't know about you, but that's not how I want to live my life. See, you are understanding of who God is. Nevertheless, you row. You know what to do to be saved. Nevertheless, you row. You have experienced and beheld the goodness of God. Nevertheless, you dig into the water. In your mind, you're thinking, if I just dig hard enough, if I just roll faster, if I just do this, if I just do that, if I just go to church, if I just do one good thing a day, if I just, if I just have a Bible on my nightstand, if I have a devotion app on my, on my phone, if, if, if I have a Jesus Lord sticker on my car, if I have Christian on my Facebook uh, uh, profile, and you just keep rowing. You keep rowing. You're trying to do it your way. I want you to understand something. 
It'll never be done your way. Don't be like the sailors. Stop digging into the water. Stop doing things your way. Whether these sailors turn to the true almighty God or not, I can tell you today that you can. Stop digging. Get Surrender to the will of God. You say, well, what is his will for my life? Well, if you're here today and you're lost and you don't know him and you've examined yourself and you have found that you are not in the faith, his will for you, first things first, is to be saved. By the name of Jesus. Don't leave it at a maybe. By the way, a lot of people say, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, the Bible tells us that we can know. Do you know that? Isn't that good? Look at 1 John. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Look how simple this is. He that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Look at that. Say that you may, everyone say no, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Can I tell you something? I know that I'm saved. And if there's any ever a doubt in my life, I know it's not God. I know it's my sin that's caused that separation anxiety between me and my Savior. The worst kind of work is useless work. And a try on your own merit to get to heaven, hear me today, is useless. Christians, don't be stubborn and backslidden like Jonah. I, if I could go back and, and, and talk to him, I, I would just, I'd be like, what are you doing, bro? Why are you being so stiff-necked? Why are you being so stubborn? What, what, do you not understand God, God has told you what to do. You, as God's man, you know what to do. Cry out to him. Stop fleeing from God and start fleeing from your sin. Repent and live a life on mission for the Lord. And for you who are rolling as hard as you can. I mean, you're thinking everything's going fine. You're just, well, I'm just tired. And But, 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 I, but. You know, hopefully when I get there, the, the scales are good for me. Hopefully when I get there, all the good I've done will outweigh the bad. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. It won't. There's, one, there's none righteous, no, not one. But today, would you enter into the rest that can only come from Jesus? Be saved today. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place. I'm just curious, maybe if there's some men of God, women of God, uh, uh, children of God, whoever you are, but you're God. You know you're saved. You know you're born again. And you know that you have a mission given to you by God. You have a gift given to you by the Holy Spirit. Literally, the, 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 the uh, payment of the Holy Spirit given to you at the point of conversion, you have been gifted. That gift is not just to look at. That gift is not just to put in a frame and put up in the house. That gift is to be used for the Lord. He equips you to live on mission. Are you living on mission? Or are you fleeing from the presence of the Lord? That means you're fleeing 
from the call God has put on your life. Would you repent and turn back to him? That, that storm in your life is not going to go away with disobedience. That storm in your life is going to only go away by crying out to the Lord. Maybe you're not on mission because you have sin in your life. Would you repent of your sin right now? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're rolling and you're rolling and you're rolling and nothing's ever getting done and you you, you lay your head down at night and you, you, you fear death and you, you, you fear the consequences of your sin and you fear all these things and you look at God more like someone who is to be scared of rather to revere and to have respect towards because he's almighty. Right now, if you just put, stop rowing. Put that shovel away. Put that oar away. Quit digging into the water. The Bible says if you call, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. And that Holy Spirit we just talked about will be indwelling within you as well. Would you be saved today? Would you be saved today? God is working. Allow him to work in your life. Don't allow the lost people around you. Don't allow the world around you to tell you what to do. Don't, don't allow them to have to call you out. Examine yourself now. What has God called you to do? Will you surrender to it? What has God called you to do? God calling you to draw you to salvation today be saved call upon his name be saved today listen church this is no joke this is life and death not, not, not just for time it's eternal life and death this is heaven or torment heaven or hell would you be saved today Father I thank you for your word I thank you for those that are here Lord God I pray that as I preach, Lord, that those that have ears to hear, I pray they heard. And God, I pray for those that are stubborn, God, that they're fleeing from the call that you put on their life, whether it be just obedience and serving or obedience and taking a next step or, or whatever it may be, obedience and giving, obedience and volunteering, obedience and reading and praying and studying and, and disciple making and, and soul winning, whatever obedience they're fleeing from. Well, God, I pray they understand that storm in their life will not cease until they obey. Father, I pray for those again that, that are lost. Lord, I pray today that you say, that you say, pray. Amen. Well, amen and amen, amen. Everyone say amen. Amen. Now listen, real quick before you go, I'm going to let you out like three minutes early. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, so <laughs> these cards right here. Who has given away all their cards? Who has handed out all their cards this week? Be proud about it, Lyric. Okay, amen. Nolan, you did? Huh, Nolan. That's awesome, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, so that means that I like them and everyone else. Okay? No, listen. Hey, let's be intentional about this. This is not just an expensive business card. This is not, as a matter of fact, and I'm going to be transparent with you. Last night, we went to the fair, right? I could just like, and just did it. We just been falling all over the place because, you know, there's so many people. But I left them in my car. Not like in the parking lot, but like at home. 
because we took my wife's car. Let me tell you the, the sick feeling in my stomach when I got there thinking I'll never get another opportunity with this many crazy people to give them the answer, which is Jesus. But anyway, look, let's take this seriously, okay? All I'm asking, all we want to do is to hand out three a week. Do y'all see three people a week? I do not want to hang out with y'all sometimes. I mean, it, 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 y'all must be some boring. Okay, uh, anyway. So I see three people a week. <laughs> More than that, usually. Anyway, look, I need you to take these and take these seriously, okay? All right? You give them out, tell them about the QR code, and the work is pretty much done. All right? Sound good? So if you don't have them, if you don't know what this is, this is our partnership with truelife.org. When they scan that QR code, They'll see a video of me inviting them to Jesus and then inviting them to church. And then uh, they'll have resource videos of uh, answers to life's hard questions on the bottom. So you can actually go check it out yourself before you hand them out. Just make sure you, you're cool with it and stuff. Uh, I can assure you you will be. Uh, we definitely did not take this partnership lightly, okay? All right, but they're right here. I literally have on our account 10,000 of these. If we go the rate that we're going now handing these out, it will literally be, we'll all be dead. We won't even be here. Okay? All right? So let's get the hand in them out. All right? Including me. And I'm young. Some, some of y'all are like, well, duh. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Okay. I love you. You are dispensed in Jesus' name. Bye-bye. Come get the cards. Oh, and, and a meeting. 